This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Double X Archery. If you know me, I've got two big hobbies. One of them is soccer, which is why I talk to you week in and week out into this microphone. And the other is hunting. And recently, a place that I'm familiar with and love dearly, Double X Archery, has upgraded to a larger facility here in Leesburg, Virginia, where they host a number of services in their 5,500 square foot facility. Whether you need to have a bow tuned, get some walk-in range time, or are just interested in taking some archery lessons and learning about how to shoot a bow, then this is the place for you. Mike and Tony are extremely friendly and knowledgeable and can help you with your archery needs no matter your skill level. So stop by, check them out in Leesburg Plaza at the old Pier 1 Imports building. Check them out today. Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Next In Line podcast brought to you by the RFK Refugees Sports Network. And this week, you might be tuning in um, because of the excitement of a weekend win in hopes that this is going to be a happy episode. And it's not necessarily going to be a happy episode. There's going to be happy parts. Um, But I will not overshadow the loss and how much that hurts to San Diego at the midweek match. We'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about the, the past two performances uh, and uh, some upcoming matches. But before that, a little club news. Um, first and foremost is uh, the, the the signing of a player. Uh, if you follow the account, the Next In Line podcast on Twitter, you've seen me probably pretty vocal about how the Eastern Conference is getting stronger. And it's not necessarily teams that are really in the, the playoff push right now or, or, or deep teams that are some teams, even like like Hartford, who's below us right now on the table, um, or at the time of this signing, below us on the table, we're, we're adding to their roster in depth, um, you know, trying to, to really fill out and, and round out their roster and, and, and identify players maybe for the next season, whereas we are still mathematically able to reach the playoffs, even though it might not be very likely at this point. We weren't signing players. Um, so seeing the, the club go out and grab somebody at a position of need is exciting, um, but the signing itself isn't super exciting. It's uh, it's Nelson Martinez, who is a, a very stellar uh, midfield uh, type player, defensive holding style midfielder, who had a, a good outing with Loudon previously. We we know what he's capable of. We know what he's done. He played uh, in in a center back role um, in a back three at times. Um, and uh, it, it just never really seemed like it was his strong suit. He, he left, went, and had uh, some success over the course of, I think, two seasons at uh, NCFC North Carolina City, North Carolina uh, FC. And um, I, I think an injury may have ended uh, the, the final season of his career there, uh, of which he's now recovered from and probably has been on the radar for, for Coach Martin for a little while. And has been brought back into the fold. So, you know, like I said, he's technically a defensive midfielder, holding style midfielder. But um, seeing him him back out there at least at least shows that the team cares enough that to, to make an attempt at, at trying to get into the playoffs. Obviously, they care, but you know, the, the actions are also now demonstrating that. Um, 
is is he a good signing or is he a desperate one? I, I think on paper it just kind of seems a little bit desperate. I think it's kind of like one of those discount signings that we get because he already has connections here. He spent time with the DC United Academy. Um, he knows the coaching staff. We know him. Um, I, I'm sure that you know he's trying to salvage a bit of his career right now and hope so he can get some solid performances and get some looks to maybe move on in his career as as a young um, local. And he has family in the area as well. We, we love his family. Um, they're, they're very vocal. I know uh, the Loudon Stampede love his family. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say a, a bit of a discount signing, an opportunity signing, uh, but nonetheless a signing, and uh, we'll, we'll see what he's capable of. Um, other club news is the upcoming match on the 19th, and a big shout-out to Loudon Stampede for having organized uh, both a fundraiser and uh, for, in, in the form of a GoFundMe as well as a, a shirt and button sale for uh, two different uh, cancer organizations. Uh, the, the 19th is the United Against Cancer uh, Night, Loudoun United's United Against Cancer Night, and the Stampede is joining in the fun and, um, and, and trying to raise, uh, raise funds for some, some great, great uh, I think American Cancer Society is one of them, and the Susan G. Komen uh, for the Cure Foundation as well. Um, so, so if you haven't already, um, I know that the people are pushing it online a lot, but, but check it out. Go online to loudonstampede.org, uh, go to their store, check out their shirt. It's a really, really cool shirt. Um, check out their buttons, all the fun stuff, um, and, and grab yourself one. And if you're planning on being there on the 19th, then pick up your shirt there at the match. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be out there myself. So hopefully we'll, we'll see you there. Um, all right, that's club news. Um, talk about the the last two performances, and then we'll maybe go into a bit of the the, the, the Eastern Conference. You know where we sit, kind of situation, how things stand. Um, San Diego Loyal. Uh, this is one I had written in as a note as a loss before we started. Uh, San Diego Loyal is not a bad team. Um, they, they're pretty deep, and, and going out to San Diego in our first ever match there is is, is just not was not going to look like a great opportunity. Um, no Jake Morris. I don't, I don't think he traveled with the team. I'm not sure if that – he seemed like he was uh, injured in, in the last home match. Uh, I, I think I mentioned that Columbus kind of sent him out as like a use him or, or lose him kind of uh, situation. Like, you know, you put as many minutes on his legs as you can uh, or, or we're taking him back. Uh, kind of to see if he was really worthwhile for that homegrown contract that they invested in him. Um, so if he's not getting minutes, I would say that the, the likelihood is he's either injured or – you know, maybe favoring something a little bit, maybe getting some rest time. So I don't believe he traveled with the team, um, which is a bummer for him because the West Coast tour would be fun. Uh, but hopefully he is back in the fold because when he has been playing, he has been a, a huge part of our, our midfield presence and attacking opportunities. Um, Nelson Martinez returns at, starting off on the bench and gets a few minutes, not great minutes, but gets some minutes um, late in the game against San Diego. Um, but, all in all, in summary, the San Diego Loyal match was a was one to be very frustrated about. First of all, the commentators were just normal USL commentators and just terrible. Um, kept making comments like we're we're gonna you know Loudon's gonna be playing for the draw you know when it was still nil nil um, <laughs> like like as if that helps us in any way. Uh, even though now having watched the game, I probably would have taken it. Um, but it was just a lot of a lot of mentality breakdowns and ball watching. You know we we get the lead and, and um, you know the the one thing to be excited about right is that that. Khalil did have a very hard work goal. Um, I was a little nervous at first that he kind of got injured uh, with that that lazy tackle uh, from that San Diego defender. 
Uh, but the subsequent answer is no. He was pulled off the field, uh, but he, he came back for the Las Vegas game. Um, you know, other things to be excited about. Uh, Landry looked good, uh, but he's still a huge risk with his lazy tackling himself. Um, and it, he, did, he did really good to keep that ball in play and, and provide a great ball to Khalil to tap that in. Uh, in, in the goal. Faro made 1 million saves, I think, somewhere in that number. Uh, but he really shouldn't have needed to. The defense just wasn't really doing its job. It kind of gave opportunities away. Um, I, I, I originally had made a note that he probably should get nod for uh, Team of the Week, but I, I think I take that back after watching Jackman's performance on the weekend. But all, in, all around, um, the focus was and mentality was 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 pretty pretty poor late in the game when the ref didn't blow their whistle uh players just didn't they, they kind of assumed the play was over they just they, they lost their focus and um they they kind of focused on the bad call as opposed to the play in front of them uh just allowing uncontested cross after uncontested cross into the box especially late in the game which you just can't do as, as players get uh get get tired so all in all i would say i'd rate the defense as bad <laughs> as clear as that um I would say, you know, if we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly for this match, the ugly was with the two goals, right? Goal number one, in summary, if you didn't watch, Nanan gives up uh, on a play and watched a cross, you know, a play that probably shouldn't have been uh, still going on, but uh, watched the cross, get serviced in on the first goal. And you want to kind of blame Learman because he's being in, he's in space right there with Washington and no one's there, but it's hard to do that because he's probably been provided instruction to be there and sit there in the middle and clog it up. Um, but also, why would you blame Learman when there's another defender marking the goal scorer? And that's Coa Santos. You know, sitting at right back, he is he's just outright beat and just doesn't honestly look like he knew there was an attacker behind him by the way he barely, if ever, even jumped at the ball when it came back off the opposing player. Um, the, yeah, the ball, the play, should have stopped when Zane and the San Diego player were, were uh, I don't know, riffing around on the ground um, and chopping at each other. Absolutely should have been. Uh, but, but we're adults, and you play until the whistle, or, or you get burned, and, and we got burned. Um, and, and then they almost uh, give up another one a few seconds later because of Cole Turner's midfield positioning. Um, you know, I, I kind of like him when he plays a little better in, in, in defense, but, you know, that's I'm obviously not a, not a coach. I'm not a, not a professional soccer player. So, uh, you know, my, my opinions are my opinions, and, uh, and I'll, I'll keep them here in this, uh, in this microphone. Um, goal number two, lazy, lazy, lazy stuff uh, all around. Koa just watches another another terrible decision, um, just watches the, the, the ball get sent in. Uh, Leggett is working hard, tracking back, splitting attackers, um, does way more than a guy from his position should be doing to defend uh, and, and stop crosses from coming in. Uh, but I'm not really sure if, if it was exhaustion, another player giving up. Um, and, and so uh, similar to the first cross, uh, but coming from the other side of the field now, you kind of want to blame Washington. But again, why would because because he, he's kind of sitting there in space when the ball comes in. But it, it's it's one of those similar situations where why would you would you blame him? Because there is a defender who's on him. You know, why why can't he trust the, the individuals who were on his back line. Um, I don't know if, and I think it was Rocha, I believe, uh, if I'm trying to remember correctly, but um, I, I don't know if this is just a product of, of Martin Ball wearing out fullbacks or, or what, um, but I, I think that the, 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 the current fullback um, situation or strategy is, is not cutting it. Um, and, and I think that 
<laughs> if I if I had sent that to to the coaching staff, I think that they made the adjustment. I didn't send that, and they made the adjustment regardless, you know. But I think that they're they're seeing what I what I saw there and, and saying we gotta we gotta really shift things around. Um, conclusion of the match is what it is all too often for Loudoun United, which is just a solid performance all night long, with the exception of five to ten minutes of play. Um, if you turned off the match in the 80th minute, you probably thought, well, Loudoun's got this in the bag. At worst, they've got a draw in the bag. But um, the thing is, is those five to ten minutes of play are all that seasons can be decided upon, um, sometimes on less time. So, um, you know, if, you fan, uh, if you're a fan of this team and you woke up the next morning uh, disappointed, you, you probably felt like you were let down by the players, you probably uh, just watched any real hope of playoffs drift away. It wasn't a game we went into really thinking we needed a win, uh, really wanted a win, probably needed a point out of it. Um, but we had the win, and so there's a mentality break that happens there. There's a there's a morale you know shift that occurs when you when you have it in the bag and you lose it and it falls out the bottom, right? So, um, going uh, finishing the San Diego match, going into the Las Vegas match, if you looked at the last five performances in the Eastern Conference right now, uh, at that point, not right now, we were the only team without a win. Even Hartford had two in the last five, so um, it was just a tough time. Uh, at, at the same time. Uh, Indy drenched Birmingham. Um, that's a pun because it was very rainy uh, that day. But they drenched Birmingham uh, in goals, uh, meaning that the pathway to, to 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 the playoffs is just pretty much almost sealed off. We're not going to say it's sealed off yet, but mathematically, it's not sealed off. Um, oh, and I think Tulsa got a, a point on the road at the mid midweek as well. So. Off we go to Las Vegas. Uh, the lads immediately flew straight to Las Vegas, so the West Coast tour continued. Nobody, uh, I don't know if people broke off, went home. Probably not. Um, I don't think anybody added or joined in the group. Um, and a bunch of changes in the lineup, um, it, at least tactically speaking. First thing was Jace Clark got thrown out on the left. Um, I was a little critical of this. If you if you saw my tweets, uh, I thought to myself that was a bit odd. Um, worked out fine. Uh, Aiden Rocha out on the right, Coa Santos, uh, moving into an attacking position at, at, at right wing. And I kind of liked that because I've been, if you've been listening to this podcast this season, I'm pretty critical of Coa and his ability to come back and track and to play the defensive side of his position. I think he's one of the best at, at crossing the ball in and providing attacking opportunities. And he's one of those players, if he just finishes that defensive part of his game, he's going to be one of the best players in the league. He's also been a stalwart and been very reliable for us. He's probably played more minutes than almost anybody on the field. So um, him being in that right wing position was a little exciting, and uh, and, it, and I think it paid off. Um, first off, this was a must win. This was just a must win. You can't lose this game. They are the worst team. And that's my second off is Las Vegas is the worst team in the league. Um, you go in there and you get beat up by Las Vegas. Now, mind you, Las Vegas just came off of a win and a full week's rest, and they are at home. All three things mean meaning that Loudon could have botched this, but they didn't. So, you know, you, you think, like, this is a game where you could either snuff out all hope for 2023, um, or we can hold on to a little bit for a little bit longer. Um, so we'll do the good, the bad, and the ugly for Las Vegas. And I'm going to be I'm gonna be kind, but not super kind. Um, you know already that it was a three nil or a zero three, but nil, uh, you know, three nil win for Loudon. Um, two late goals kind of sealed it off uh, for Vegas. Great, uh, great performance all around for the team. Um, there's not a lot to be critical of, but we'll start with the good. The, the first good thing is Dan Jackman. Um, 
Another lineup change I was critical of. Hugo Ferru had a great game. Um, despite losing the loss against San Diego. And so, you know, a man-of-the-match performance against San Diego. And I thought to myself, why are we starting the, the Great Dane? Um, and it turns out he told us all why. Um, he had one of the best performances for a Loudon goalkeeper in the history of the franchise. Uh, it was an absolutely wonderful one. Probably the best one since, was it 2021, when uh, Simon Lefebvre had the USL Championship record-setting 13-save outing. Um yeah, phenomenal stuff. Well-earned, uh, clean sheet. Uh, had to do some work. The, the defense uh, allowed some shots that they shouldn't have let in, um, but it wasn't bad enough. It was an overall good performance for the defense as well. Um, you're gonna Shots are going to happen. Uh, it's just going to go. Um, number two on the, the good list is Wesley Leggett. Gosh, I've been, I've been so high on this kid. I, I think that he's got some real potential. Um, he has been second choice at the top of the pitch behind both Zach Ryan and Tommy Williamson this entire season. I've really, really liked to see him when he is on the field, but oftentimes that's the result, right, of, of him coming on the field and opposing defenses being tired. Well, he showed that he can handle things, and when he came on and scored a great goal in the in the closing 10 minutes of the game, um, you kind of hope that maybe he gets the nod to, to start against Sacramento. It would be nice. He deserves it, but uh, you know, I don't know. Um, Khalil Elmedkar is, uh, is 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 on fire. Um, two goals in a row on that West Coast tour. Um, not even as really his best night, honestly. Uh, but you know, I, if he's listening to the podcast, he heard me say that we need to be taking shots and putting them on frame. It doesn't even matter how awkward they are. You know, even the goal he had, I I almost want to be critical. I think he should have laid the ball off. There was an attacking player making a run. I think it was Santos. Um, with clear into space, it was like it, we were like three v two on on their defense, and it would have been a tap in goal. But he decided to take the shot, and and it kind of knuckled in, bounced off the ground, um, and was put in, in a position that uh, a, a not so good goalkeeper couldn't save it. And so hey, goal, there we go, love it. Um, so Khalil, love it. Add him to the good list. Uh, another to the good list is uh, Khalil. Oh, excuse me, is <laughs> where did he say Khalil? Uh, is Nananha Solandri? Um, Landry is hot or cold, right? When he's on, he's just one of the best players out there. Um, he's our midfield maestro. He, he's probably been the most consistent player on the field for us when he's on. Um, but unfortunately, that consistency is also uh, being consistently in the ref's book, um, which over the course of those two games, he did some, some lazy or late tackles. But uh, it's part of being a, a bruiser in the midfield is getting in the head. You know, he, he knocked around an attacking player, uh, in, in the first half, and, and one of the defenders came at him hard and, and received a yellow card for it. I mean, I would say that he, uh, Landry did a great job of, of, of driving that player to make an emotional decision uh, and, and, and forcing that card out. Um, and then the final on the list of the good uh, is Aiden Rocha. Um, you already got to give this guy a utility player of the year award. Uh, it, it's already his. Um, he's played everywhere on the field. He's played at right back. He's played at left back. He's played at, uh, as center back in a, in a back three, center back in a back four. He's played in a central midfield. He's played as a defensive holding midfield. I, I mean, he may have played striker at some point. I just missed it. Um, he's absolutely everywhere and it's awesome. And now we're getting to see him for the first time in a Loudoun Jersey play where he played in in college, I think in Georgetown, uh, which is at right back. So Koa's move up into right wing meant that there was a gap there at, at right back. And he, he showed he could, be, he could have been starting there all season long, but Koa's been so reliable for us that 
he was always going to get the start over him um, as kind of our third choice captain even. Um, but, but Rocha maybe isn't as tactically attacking of a player that, that Koa provides, but he has the defensive abilities that Koa doesn't have. Um, and he seemed more confident than ever. I, I would say one of the more complete performances on the night and, and his probably the most complete performance on the season was, was this Las Vegas game. Um, wasn't challenged a whole ton, but when he was, he snuffed it out. Uh, great, great stuff. Um, the bad, I've got Jace Clark written on here. He actually had a pretty good night, um, but it was overshadowed by uh, a bad penalty call, but but giving up a penalty nonetheless. Um, shouldn't be making decisions like what he what he made in, in the box, so so deep in the box. He's got to be aware of his position. Um, you know, just just hug the defender, get in there, get in there tight, and and wait. Uh, but either way, he got bailed out uh, with with Jackman's save. Which I didn't mention in in saying the the great night that Jackman had between all, all the different saves he had uh, the the biggest was obviously um, and always is when there is one it was the the penalty save, um, fully stretched. I mean it was not it wasn't even a bad penalty it was just it was just a great save. Um, add to the list of the bad is another one I kind of don't like to put on here but I gotta mention it and that's Jeremy Gray. Um, <clears throat> he's starting to show more promise and he still just isn't what what we want him to be. I don't know how to say this other than to say like there are flashes of brilliance you get from him each game. Um, and we see what we, what we once saw in, in, in the Jeremy Garay, but, um, you can't, even when you get those flashes of brilliance, you wonder like, what is he doing in loud? And he should be playing in Europe. Um, but then he kind of turns off. I think he doesn't want to be playing for loud. And I think he's disappointed with the, the long-term loan that DC sent him here. Um, this wasn't even a bad performance. I would say it was a good performance um, from from Garay, but it, I, I just I think that the bar is really high for the DC Loney, and he's not achieving. He's not reaching that bar at the moment. Um, so hopefully he can shake that off, and, and he and Turner and Landry can be the midfield uh, trio that we need them to be in lockdown possession ball. Um, and, you know, Ryan Martin ball. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk really quickly the state of the season. Now you know what we'll we'll do. We'll do the upcoming match first. Sacramento Republic. First off, um, must note again, get yourself a, a Loudon Stampede shirt if you haven't opened up a tab or something. Just go get yourself one of these United Against Cancer uh, shirts. They're really nifty. They got buttons also, three different types. I think each shirt comes with a button. Uh, but the Sacramento Republic game on the 19th is the United Against Cancer Night. I think that the team, Loudoun United, is also doing their own shirt. I think it's it's uh, a generic uh, for cancer shirt, which is why it's uh, it's for uh, for I mean uh, United Against Cancer shirt, which is why it's purple. Uh, we're going with pink uh, because that was uh, in in respect and memory of Khalil El Medkar's uh, late mother. And um, to get yourself a shirt and get yourself all that, but on the Sacramento Republic game. Um, we have only played Sacramento Republic once in the franchise's history, and it was bad. 4-0. Um, this is their first time coming to Sager Field. So, we'll see how th- it turns out. Um, currently, Sacramento Republic is sitting on top of the table on the Western Conference. Um, I would argue the better of the two conferences. Uh, the only team right now in the entire league that has more points than them is Pittsburgh. They have 47 to Sacramento's 45 but Sacramento has a game in hand um, on Pittsburgh. It's not a game in hand because they're on two separate tables. But 
Sacramento has already made the playoffs. They're already pretty much locked in. I think they have locked in home field advantage. They are sitting pretty. Um, they're fighting for and very comfortably a hold of the first place spot in, in the West. Um, they are damn good. I will say it again. Damn good. We will we'll, we'll put the little uh, uh, moniker to show this is a... Uh, <laughs> there are curse words on this Yeah, this episode. They, they're, they're damn good. Um, this should not be a good match. Uh, let's run through the players to watch, <clears throat> and I'll and I'll tell you why I think there's still hope for this match. So Russell Cicerone is the second highest goal scorer in the USL Championship right now. He's also like third or fourth on assists. Um, he's got 13 goals, four assists to his name. Uh, he's damn good. Um, Luther Archimede, Archimede is third in the league right now in shots per target at 1.7 per 90 minutes and shots per 90 at 3.8 per. Uh, per 90 minutes. Good teams. Good good, good players, right? Um, they're going to have opportunities to test Jackman, or you'd hope after the performance uh, over the weekend that, that Jackman gets the nod. They're going to have opportunities to, to get shots in, um, those two strikers. Uh, Connor Donovan has been one of the best defenders in the league all season long. Um, he he's he's in a back line along a couple of other really good defenders. One name that we might see come out is, is Shane Shane Reet, who is a former Loudon standout, um, I believe, out of Pitt. Van, uh, Danny Vitiello, the the goalkeeper for Sacramento, has the highest save percentage of any goalkeeper in the league at seventy seven point eight percent. It's gonna take a monumental amount of effort. Uh, to get past him, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and I'm realizing this is going to be a long episode, and I apologize for that. Um, so those are those are your four players I'd say look out for, but don't look too hard. And the reason why is the same reason why I say there's actually hope for this match. Um, across the board, in, in every capacity, whether that's from the goalkeeper, defense, midfield, or attacking players, they are a better team in every capacity. This has an, a, a chance to really look like the Columbus Crew massacre outing that we had in, in the U.S. Open Cup um, for the red and white. But there's always a chance, and, and that's really reliant on how heavy they decide to travel, right? Traveling is expensive for USL teams. Um, you don't necessarily always bring your best players unless you're desperate. They're not desperate. They're sitting pretty in the Western Conference. Um even if they do, they might give some players opportunities to rest. <clears throat> and, and, you know, if, if they've got, you know, knocks and injuries and stuff that they're kind of nursing, maybe they get an extra week to, to kind of relax. Um, those gaps in their lineup, if there are any, are our opportunity. Um, getting against players that don't get a lot of minutes or maybe aren't normally the starter, but they're also players that may want to make a name for themselves. And, and even their their backups are looking good when they're getting minutes. So um, I, I don't go into this game with a lot of hope. But you know, uh, in 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 the story of David and Goliath, it wasn't wasn't uh, the the big giant that won. So um, you know, keep that in mind, and, and you hope that a home field advantage and a, and, a, and a solid crowd outing on a Saturday in August will be enough to uh, give the home team the advantage and give uh, give us some 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 fireworks at Sagra Field. Um, Metaphorically, I don't think there's actually any scheduled. So um, that's Sacramento Republic, guys. Then real quick, I'm going to just do a, a quick little bit about the, the, the state of the season, uh, the table, and the upcoming fixtures. We are currently, as of recording of this episode on the, the 14th of August, we are currently in the 8th, uh, we, excuse me, we are in 10th place, um, five points 
uh, off of the eighth place spot. Eighth place is the final of uh, the, the playoff spots. Um, that's held by Tulsa. Uh, we're six points from the seventh place spot, which is held by Birmingham, right? Those are not great things. Um, what makes it even more not great is that both of those teams have games in hand against us. Birmingham has three games in hand. And again, they're six points ahead of us on the table. Um, Tulsa has two games. And again, they're five points ahead of us on the table. All of those things, if you're a mathematician, equal bad. They equal not good. Um, what is good is that Tulsa on Friday will play the Rowdies. They'll play Tampa Bay Rowdies, who are arguably the second or third best team um, in the Eastern Conference. Birmingham takes on Louisville, who's proverbially one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They're currently sitting in fifth place. Um, so by Saturday evening, we may see a glimmer of hope because the players may be aware if both those teams lose that the path is slightly less narrow. But nonetheless, it is still an ugly path. It is still a narrow path. And it is, it is very lacking in footholds, if you understand the metaphor. Um, not only is that true, <laughs> and, and going into the Sacramento game, that is, is uh, we are definitely going to be um, overshadowed in, in, in size and in, uh, in stature on this, this field. But the, the, the theme of, well, we just lost to them, is going to be going out for pretty much the remainder of the season. Um, we just finished the easy part of our season. And uh, with the, the Las Vegas win, and we were only able to get eight points out of a potential 24 during it. The, this, this span of games that I was saying we needed to get 15 or 16 points out of a potential 24, we got eight. Uh, we, got, we got half um, of what we really needed during it. Next up, after Sacramento, we've got Indy away. We lost to them at home already. We have Pittsburgh away. Well, we lost to them at home already. We have Charleston at home. We got obliterated by them when we went away. I think 3-0. Um, we've got Louisville at home. We lost to them a couple weeks ago. I think it was 1-0. There's hope there. Um, not a lot of hope. Got Tampa Bay away. Uh, we lost to them at home because of a silly red card match, even though we had the lead at one point. Um, but Tampa Bay is really good, and they will have their strongest lineup against us for that match because it will be late enough in the season that they are competing for home field advantage. And Tampa Bay cares about home field advantage because they have a massive following and a massive uh, supporter section that brings and, and um, <clears throat> brings that team to, to uh, an echelon above uh, its opponents often. And then we have a Detroit game as our second to last game, which very well the season could be all but over by then. Um, but we drew to them away, so there's hope there for points. Um, and then we finish the season again, everything could be over by then for, for us and as well with this other team, but we finished the season, um, with RGV. I think we host them. I think we've only ever played them once. I think it was a draw. I don't know. I'm not too sure, but again, the season could be over for them and for us by then. So it really doesn't matter. So that's it. I told you when I started this episode, I didn't warn you how long it was going to be, but I did tell you, you might be excited because of the three nil win we had over Las Vegas, but this isn't necessarily a happy episode as a result. I hope the lads can dig down deep and find in them um, the, the extra drive and push to, to provide some upsets, uh, to ruin some other teams' seasons perhaps. But um, <clears throat> the indie match is probably the most important coming up just because they're also in contention right now for playoff spots. But it, it doesn't look great. To, to be quite honest, it doesn't look great for, for Loudon to get its first ever playoff appearance. Um, 
So, you know, hopefully hopefully we, we don't get eliminated and hopefully uh, it doesn't happen sooner uh, and, and we get to enjoy some more uh, some more hope uh, as the season dies down in our final nine matches, I believe, we've got left. Um, that's all from me and the Next In Line podcast. Uh, I, I, I thank everybody, as always, for tuning in, um, especially, as always, those who, who tune in long enough to hear me rant and rave for 30 to 40 minutes. But um, that's all I got. I hope everybody has a good rest of your day and hope to see you out on the 19th for United Against Cancer. Out here.